Hi, this is Puritan's Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 39 of The Life of David Brainerd by Jonathan Edwards. It is impossible to give a just and lively description of the appearance of things at this season, at least such as to convey a bright and adequate idea of the effects of this influence. A number might now be seen rejoicing that God had not taken away the powerful influence of his blessed spirit from this place, refreshed to see so many striving to enter in at the straight gate and animated with such concern for them that they wanted to push them forward as some of them expressed it. At the same time, numbers, both of men and women, old and young, might be seen in tears and some in anguish of spirit. Appearing in their very countenances like condemned malefactors bound toward the place of execution with a heavy solicitude sitting in their faces so that there seemed here, as I thought, a lively emblem of the solemn day of account, a mixture of heaven and hell, of joy and anguish inexpressible. The concern and religious affection was such that I could not pretend to have any formal religious exercise among them, but spent the time in discoursing to one and another as I thought most proper and seasonable for each and sometimes addressed them all together and finally concluded with prayer. Such were their circumstances at this season that I could scarcely have half an hour's rest from speaking from about half an hour before 12 o'clock, at which time I began public worship, till after seven at night. There appeared to be four or five persons newly awakened this day and the evening before, some of whom but very lately came among us. December 30 was visited by four or five young persons under concern for their souls, most of whom were very lately awakened. They wept much while I discoursed with them and endeavored to press upon them the necessity of flying to Christ without delay for salvation. December 31. Spent some hours this day in visiting my people from house to house and conversing with them about their spiritual concerns, endeavoring to press upon Christless souls the necessity of a renovation of heart and scarce left a house without leaving some or other of its inhabitants in tears, appearing solicitously engaged to obtain an interest in Christ. The Indians are now gathered together from all quarters to this place and have built them little cottages so that more than 20 families live within a quarter of a mile from me, a very convenient situation with regard both to public and private instruction. 
January 1st, 1746. Spent considerable time in visiting my people again. Found scarcely one, but was under some serious impressions respecting their spiritual concerns. January 2. Visited some persons newly come among us who had scarce ever heard anything of Christianity before except the empty name. Endeavored to instruct them, particularly in the first principles of religion, in the most easy and familiar manner I could. There are strangers from remote parts almost continually dropping in among us so that I have occasion repeatedly to open and inculcate the first principles of Christianity. January 4. Prosecuted my catechetical method of instructing. Found my people able to answer questions with propriety beyond what could have been expected from persons so lately brought out of heathenish darkness. In the improvement of my discourse, there appeared some concern and affection in the assembly, and especially in those of whom I entertained hopes as being truly gracious. At least several of them were much affected and refreshed. Lord's Day, January 5. Discoursed from Matthew twelve, ten to 13 There appeared not so much liveliness and affection in divine service as usual. The same truths which have often produced many tears and sobs in the assembly seem now to have no special influence upon any in it. Near night, I propose to have proceeded in my usual method of catechizing. But... While we were engaged in the first prayer, the power of God seemed to descend upon the assembly in such a remarkable manner, and so many appeared under pressing concern for their souls that I thought it much more expedient to insist upon the plentiful provision made by divine grace for the redemption of perishing sinners and to press them to a speedy acceptance of the great salvation than to ask them questions about doctrinal points. What was most practical seemed most seasonable to be insisted upon while numbers appeared so extraordinarily solicitous to obtain an interest in the great Redeemer. This day, the woman mentioned in my journal of December 22, made a public profession of her faith. She has discovered a very sweet and heavenly frame of mind from time to time since her first reception of comfort. One morning, in particular, she came to see me, discovering an unusual joy and satisfaction in her countenance, and when I inquired into the reason of it, she replied, that God had made her feel that it was right for him to do what he pleased with all things, and that it would be right if he should cast her husband and son both into hell. 
and she saw it was so right for God to do what he pleased with them that she could not but rejoice in God, even if he should send them into hell, though it was apparent she loved them dearly. She moreover inquired whether I was not sent to preach to the Indians by some good people a great way off. I replied, yes, by the good people in Scotland. She answered that her heart loved those good people so the evening before that she could scarce help praying for them all night. Her heart would go to God for them. Thus the blessing of those ready to perish is like to come upon those pious persons who have communicated of their substance to the propagation of the gospel. Lord's Day, January 12, preached from Isaiah 55, 6. The word of God seemed to fall upon the audience with a divine weight and influence and evidently appeared to be not the word of man. The blessed spirit, I am persuaded, accompanied what was spoken to the hearts of many so that there was a powerful revival of conviction in numbers who were under spiritual exercises before. Toward night, catechized in my usual method, near the close of my discourse, there appeared a great concern and much affection in the audience, which increased while I continued to invite them to come to an all-sufficient Redeemer for eternal salvation. The Spirit of God seems, from time to time, to be striving with souls here. They are so frequently and repeatedly roused that they seem unable at present to lull themselves asleep. January 13 was visited by several persons under deep concern for their souls, one of whom was newly awakened. It is a most agreeable work to treat with souls who are solicitously inquiring what they shall do to be saved. As we are never to be weary in well-doing, so the obligation seems to be peculiarly strong when the work is so very desirable. Yet I must say, my health is so much impaired and my spirits so wasted with my labors and solitary manner of living there being no human creature in the house with me, that their repeated and almost incessant applications to me for help and direction are sometimes exceedingly burdensome and so exhaust my spirits that I become fit for nothing at all, entirely unable to prosecute my business, sometimes for days together. What contributes much toward this difficulty is that I am obliged to spend much time in communicating a little matter to them, there being oftentimes many things to be premised before I can speak directly to what I principally aim at, which things would readily be taken for granted where there was a competency of doctrinal knowledge. 
January 14, spent some time in private conference with my people and found some disposed to take comfort, as I thought, upon slight grounds. They are now generally awakened, and it has become so disgraceful, as well as terrifying to the conscience to be destitute of religion, that they are in imminent danger of taking up with an appearance of grace, rather than to live under the fear and disgrace of an unregenerated state. This concludes episode 39 of Jonathan Edwards, The Life of David Brainerd.